All right, good afternoon, everyone. I hope you're doing well. Well, today we're going to be in God's Word, so if you have a Bible, we're going to be in the book of Acts today. And if you do not have a Bible, please let us know. We'd love to get you one, and we'd love for you to follow along and study with us today. So last week, we were celebrating Easter, right? Resurrection Sunday, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, you know, Easter's a, a holiday where we, we observe, we remember, but we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Because without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we don't have a faith. So we celebrate and we rejoice that Jesus is alive. And if you remember last week, we were in the book of Ephesians, right? Ephesians chapter 1. We looked at verses 1 through 14. We took a break from the book of Acts and we studied who we are in Jesus Christ, our identity in the Lord, how God sees us. And it's such an important thing to remember if we're to serve God each and every day, we have to know who we are in Christ. We're blessed. We're called. We're chosen. For those of you who have put your faith and trust in Jesus, we are God's children, right? Adopted by God to be His children. He's given us the Holy Spirit and assurance of salvation. Just a beautiful truth we studied last week. Now, I don't know if you remember, it was about two weeks ago, we finished up Acts chapter 9. Remember, we finished up Acts chapter 9. And we were talking about Peter, the Apostle Peter. And Peter was used by God to raise a woman named Tabitha from the dead. I don't know if you remember, right? But God is using Peter in amazing ways. And if you look back in Acts chapter 9, real quick, and you look at verse 42 of chapter 9, look what it says. It says, It became known throughout all of the region, and many believed on the Lord. So many people came to faith in Jesus Christ, because of the work that was being done, right? A revival was happening. So today we're going to start chapter 10 and we're going to look at two examples, two men today, okay? Two examples and two examples of obedience, right? Two men who were told to do something by God and we'll see how they responded to these commands given to them by God and how we're to respond to God's calling for each one of us each and every day. So we're going to go ahead and start chapter 10, and we're going to start by looking at the first two verses. So again, if you're following along, Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 2. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. So we're introduced to a man here in verse 1 named Cornelius, a man in a city called Caesarea. Now, Caesarea was a city in the northern part of Israel. And if you understand the historical context, Israel was under siege by the Roman Empire, right? The Roman Empire was controlling basically the whole world at that time, right? The Roman Empire was a very powerful empire, and they were ruling over Israel. Israel was under oppression from the Romans. And this man we're introduced to here in verse 1, Cornelius, was a centurion. Now, a centurion is, a, is an officer in the Roman army, over a hundred soldiers, right? So a very prominent soldier in the Roman army. Now, most Jewish people would hate such a man, right? They were a devout Jew. They would look at this Roman officer and they would hate him, right? They would absolutely hate him and have nothing good to say about this man. But we look at the author of Acts and he describes this man Cornelius to us. So let's see what it says and let's see how this man is described in verse 2. 
He's described as a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. That's a pretty good reputation that this man has. First, he was called to be devout. And if you're unfamiliar with the English word devout, it means to be very committed to something. And what does it say? It says Cornelius was very committed to fearing the Lord. To fear God, it means to have a respect and a reverence for Him. Right? You acknowledge that He is Lord, just like you would acknowledge the authority of your earthly father. Right? And there's that fear. You don't want to disappoint and you don't want to let Him down. And that's what it means to fear God. And every single Christian in here should have respect and fear for the Lord. Right? We should have this reverence for God and for who He is. And Cornelius had this. He feared the Lord. Now, what else about this man Cornelius? It tells us that he gave to the poor, right? He saw a need and he was willing to meet it. Just like us as Christians, when we see a need, we need to be willing to meet it, right? Because we are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. What else about this man? It also tells us in verse 2 that he prayed to God always. Now, when I read this, I got, you know, God just showed me a great lesson in this. This is a great lesson for all of us. Without prayer, we are unhealthy Christians. Right? Without prayer, we are not operating in the way that we should as Christians. This past week, I was sick physically. I had a cold and I wasn't feeling well. And I knew I was sick because of the symptoms I was showing. Right? I couldn't breathe well. My chest hurt. Right? I was out of breath. And I knew I was sick. For a Christian, if you don't see prayer in your life, that is a good symptom that you're not a healthy Christian. It is so important that we pray as Christians. Prayer is how we respond and talk and communicate with God. And many Christians today are completely absent from prayer. They don't have a prayer life. They don't take time aside to spend with the Lord each and every day. It's so important for our health spiritually. And if we're going to grow in discipline as individual believers, we have to pray. We have to take that time aside. A healthy Christian is one who prays instead of giving in to fear and worry. I'd like to read two verses from the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. It says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. These verses are so powerful and it's so true. I know when I go through struggles and hardships and I'm worried or fearful about something, the moment I take it to God in prayer, I just feel peace. I feel peace because our God hears us, right? Our God acknowledges us. But many times we get too distracted and we don't take time aside for prayer. So what about you? Right? Cornelius was a man who was described as one who prays always. Could someone describe you that way? Or... Are you too carried away by what you see on social media that instead of praying, you, you entertain thoughts of hate and anger and unforgiveness? Instead of taking these things to God in prayer, we go to everything else around us, but we refuse to go to the Lord. Jesus said His church should be known as a house of prayer for all nations. So what about you? What about me? We have to be praying. So we read about this man Cornelius and he had a godly reputation. What about you? If someone was writing about you, how would they describe you? Would they describe you like the author described Cornelius? Someone who fears God? 
Someone who is willing to meet a need? Someone who prays to God always? How does the world know you as? You know, you come here maybe on Sunday, maybe throughout the week, and right, you you love Jesus, praise the Lord, and then you go out into the world, and the world can't tell the difference between you and them. They don't see Jesus in you, right? When we walk around calling ourselves Christians, we go around calling ourselves a little Christ. It's a big claim to make if we're not going to live it out. It's a huge claim to make, right? If we're going to call ourselves a little Christ, we need to go out and live like a little Christ. Who we are in private should be the same people we are when we come to church. So it's an important lesson for all of us. Well, let's look at verse 3. Verse 3 says, About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. So I just want to stop. This is a just side note, but I want to stop here real quick. Right? It tells us Cornelius had a vision. Right? Visions are real things. They do happen today, right? I believe God primarily speaks to us through his word, but he still does appear in dreams and visions. And we see in this an angel appeared to Cornelius. Now, the reason I want to stop on this verse is because it's important to know angels are real, but it's important to understand we don't worship angels, right? Angels are spiritual beings, but they are not God. Jesus is not an angel. And I say this because there's a lot of false teaching. I was with, I was with a couple friends just maybe two weeks ago, right? And someone was telling them that Jesus was an angel. And it's important to understand we don't serve and worship angels. We serve Jesus Christ, our Lord. And he alone is God, right? That's who we serve. So anyway, an angel comes to Cornelius through a vision. And let's see how he responds in verse 4. It says, And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now, this is an interesting verse, right? Because I know if I were in Cornelius' position, if I had a vision and an angel came to me saying my name, I would be very, very afraid. And that's how Cornelius was. If you look in verse 4, it says he was afraid. He didn't know what was going on. He was scared. But I love what the angel tells Cornelius. I think it's a beautiful thing for all of us to remember. He said, your prayers have come up before God. Your prayers have come up as a memorial before God. The reason I love this is because I think many times as Christians, we think that God does not hear us. Maybe we pray and we pray about something and something, and yet we don't feel like God is giving us an answer. Maybe we feel like God is not listening to us. Maybe we feel like God is ignoring us. You know, I struggled with this myself this week. I was praying to the Lord and I felt like I was just speaking to the air. I felt like God was not listening to me. But this verse tells us that God does indeed hear our prayers. Just like Cornelius, our prayers come up as a memorial before God. He loves our prayers. He loves when we pray to Him. And He treasures our prayers and He hears every single one of them. He hears the tears that you shed in private, right? He hears the cries of your heart and the things that make you nervous. He knows all of it. And He loves you. He hears all of your prayers. And maybe you've been praying about this country Right? Maybe you've been praying about everything going on and you're not seeing a change, you're not seeing a difference. And you think, is God really listening? Can God really change Myanmar? And the answer is yes, He can. And He does hear your prayers. And God is working in this country. He is working in everything going on right now. And to have faith means that we trust God in this. But we're going to talk about that in a little bit. 
right? But here's the, here's the application I see in verse 4 for us. God does hear our prayers. He does listen. Let's see what else the angel says in verses 5 and 6. It says, Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. So Cornelius was told by this angel to send men to get Peter. You remember Peter, right? Peter was staying in a city called Joppa. And an angel told Cornelius, you need to send men to get Peter. Peter needs to come to your house. Now, when I read this, I I thought to myself, why? Why did Peter have to come to this man's house? Well, here's the thing. Cornelius feared God. He had a knowledge of who God was, but he did not know Jesus Christ personally. He didn't know this free gift of salvation offered through Jesus Christ. And this is why the angel told Cornelius, you need to send for Peter so that he can explain to you the free gift of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. This is so important to understand. There is no other way to heaven but through faith in Jesus Christ. There's no other way to have eternal life. There's no other way to be forgiven. It's through faith alone in the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Right? No one can have eternal life but through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, the second question I had when I read this verse was, why didn't the angel just tell this to Cornelius? Why did Peter have to do it? And here's what I learned. It's not the angel's job to share the gospel. That's our job. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. It's our job to share the gospel. That's not a job entrusted to angels. Angels are real. Angels are spiritual beings. But it's our job to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I was sharing last night at our youth group it's not a job to serve God. It's not. It's, it's a gift to serve God. Right? It's a free gift that God offers us to serve Him. Now, God doesn't need any one of us in here. That's the thing. He doesn't need you, and He doesn't need me. God is Creator God. He created all things. He can do whatever He pleases. He wants us, though. He wants to use us. He gives us an invitation to be used by Him. You know, as we read through the book of Acts, we're reading about just men who are a mess, right? We're reading about Peter. Peter denied Jesus three times, and yet God still wanted to use him. We read about Paul, some someone who was a terrorist in the church who killed men, women, and children and had them thrown in prison, and God still wanted to use him. It's not that God needed to, but He wanted to. And He wants to use each one of us to share the gospel with those around us. There's a lot of hopelessness right now. And we have the hope of Jesus. You know, I don't say this to judge anyone, but I say it merely to point it out. You know, when COVID was, yeah, I know COVID's not a thing anymore here, right? But last year you look at COVID and what did everyone do? Everyone was so careful, right? They all put the mask on. Some even put the shield on. Some put gloves on. Some, I don't know why, even put hair nets on, right? Everyone was quick to wash their hands, use hand sanitizer because they didn't want to, they don't want to get sick. Well, what about the disease of sin? And how are we responding to the disease of sin and all these people who are going to burn in hell if they don't come to faith in Jesus? Are we share, are we showing the same regard and the same caution to them? Because when we see someone who doesn't know Jesus, our heart should break for them. And we shouldn't look at them and think it's a job to share the gospel with them. We should look at them and think it's an amazing opportunity that we've been given by God to share the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. So I think it's an amazing thing here. 
But we got to move on. I could spend more time on it, but let's move on to verses 7 through 8. It says in verse 7, And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. So we're, we're going to finish up looking at our first example for the day. This man Cornelius, right? And Cornelius was commanded by God through the angel, right, to go send for this man named Peter. Now, I want you to just put yourself in Cornelius' position, okay? You're told to invite a man over to your home that you never even met. Some man you don't even know, right? It might seem strange to you. But this is what Cornelius was commanded to do by God, to get this man, have this, this stranger come into his home with his family. And what did Cornelius do? How did he respond? Well, it tells us in verse 7 that immediately after he sent people to go get him, he was obedient. Right? He showed true obedience to what God was commanding him to do. Even if it meant being strange, right? He probably felt strange about it, yet he was still obedient. So I'm going to ask this question a lot today, but I want you to think about it. What is it that God is calling you to do? And will you be obedient to walk in that? Will you be obedient in the command and the calling that God has for you? Cornelius was clearly acting in faith. I want you to notice that. Cornelius didn't say, Lord, before I send for Peter, I want you to show me three more signs. That's not what he did. He acted in faith. He trusted that God was going to do an amazing work through this. Well, let's read verse 9. We're going to get back to Peter now. Verse 9, it says, The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. So again, we're back to Peter now, and again we see a characteristic characteristic, I'm sorry, of a godly person. And that characteristic is prayer. Right? Peter was up there praying. Now I, I want to point this out because I can't say it enough. And if you forget everything I say today, remember this we need to pray. Right? We need to pray. It is so important if we're gonna grow as Christians to be in prayer. And this is what Peter was doing. Peter took time aside each day to spend with Jesus. God did amazing things in Peter's life, right? He did amazing things through Peter. The reason that Peter knew what God was calling him to do, the reason Peter knew how to walk in God's calling was because he spent time with Jesus. And we cannot give what we do not have. We cannot point people to Jesus if we're not spending time with Jesus ourselves. Right? We have to be people who take time aside each day for the Lord. Many people today... They don't know what God is calling them to do because they take no time to study His Word, to read His Word, to pray, to exercise themselves spiritually each day. Many people today want a signs and wonders and a miracle faith, right? They want to see these amazing signs and wonders and amazing miracles, yet they ignore the miracle right in front of them. This right here, God's Word. This is a miracle that God will speak to us through His Word. I want to read a verse from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It says, for the word of God is living and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. God's word is alive and God does speak to us through his word. He does. This is how God speaks to us right here through his word. Now, when we read God's word and we're praying about something and we feel that God speaks a word to us through through the Bible, right? To take that word and, and trust, that's what true faith is. 
True faith is not someone who says, Lord, show me six signs and then I'll believe you. True faith is reading God's word and taking him at his word, believing and trusting that what God tells us, God will do. And here's the thing. God's word is available to each one of us. This is not something only for a pastor and a teacher to pick up. It's not. This is not something only for a priest to read. This is something for each and every one of us to read. Why? Because your relationship with Jesus Christ is just that. A relationship between you and Jesus. It's not Jesus, pastor, you. It's you and Jesus. Right? Your faith needs to be your own. That's not to say, of course, pastors and teachers teach the Word of God. They're anointed by God. But we need to be spending time each day in the Bible and taking time to pray as Peter did. Well, let's see what happens next. Let's read the next three verses. We'll look at verses 10 through 13. It says, Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. Verse 12, In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. That's an interesting few verses, isn't it? Right? It's an interesting few verses we just read. Verse 10 tells us that Peter fell into a trance. In other words, Peter too was having a vision just like Cornelius was. Right? Peter now was having a vision given to him by God. And in this vision, Peter saw a net come down from heaven. And inside of this net were unclean, as the Jews would call it, animals. Right? So there were reptiles in there and just a bunch of other animals that according to the Jewish culture were unclean. Now, if you've read the Old Testament, you know that there were certain laws given to the Israelites. And one of the laws that God gave the Israelites were you cannot eat certain animals. They're unclean to you. Now, here's the thing. You know, you might be wondering, if God gave the, the Israelites a commandment not to eat these unclean animals, why is God telling Peter to eat them? You have to understand, when Jesus died on the cross, He fulfilled the law. God fulfilled the law. This is no longer... Salvation offered exclusively to Jews, it's now offered to all people who will put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Right? What had happened was, a lot of the Jewish people, they took these laws and they made their own laws and then it became their culture. Right? It became their culture. So this was against Peter's culture for him. Let's see how he responds in verses 14 and 15. Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. Verse 15, and a voice spoke to him again the second time, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times and the object was taken into heaven again. Peter's response in verse 14, not so, Lord. Not so, Lord. Right? God gave this command to Peter in this vision and Peter said, not so, Lord. Have you ever responded like Peter has? I know I have, right? Have you ever been given a command or a calling by God? And as soon as you hear this, you're like, not, not me, Lord. Right? This happens to me a lot. There's many times I'll pray in the morning and I'll say, Lord, please give me an opportunity for ministry. Please give me an opportunity to minister to someone. And then God puts someone in my path that day and I'm like, mm-mm, not them. Or uh, anyone, but not him. Right? We'll make up these excuses and maybe have the same response that Peter did. Not so, Lord. I can't do that. Now, I think it's important, though, to understand Peter's reasoning, all right? Peter didn't want to do this because it was against his culture. And we'll get more to that in a second. But I do just want to ask you this. 
What is it right now that God is calling you to do that you're really reluctant, or in other words, you don't want to do it? What about with everything going on right now in this country? You know what God's Word says. We have to love our enemies. We have to bless those who persecute us. And maybe you look at social media, and you're like, Mm-mm, not me. They don't deserve love. They don't deserve forgiveness. They don't deserve God's mercy. You know, I do this quite a lot. I'm a great, I'm great at playing judge. I'm great at it, right? I'll go through social media. I'll be like, he deserves to die. He deserves to die. He should die. Lord, if I were you, I'd strike him down. Lord, if you want me to do it for you, I will. Just give me the command, right? Instead of having these thoughts of love, we have these thoughts of hate and anger. And then we make up excuses for him. Lord, nah, you meant love most everyone, but not him. There's a few exceptions, right? No. God said we need to love our enemies. We need to bless those who persecute us. Yes, even men who do wicked and evil and vile things to women and children, yes, we're to love them too. Yeah, we're to forgive them as well. Even when people do harmful things to our families or to our friends, yes, we're to love and forgive them too. They don't deserve it. Well, here's the thing, neither did you and neither did I. But Jesus still forgave me and He still offers His forgiveness to you. And we need to show the same mercy that God has shown us. Now back to Peter. Peter didn't want to do this because it was against his culture. So it's countercultural for Peter. Now I find this very fascinating because the Lord was showing Peter a lesson. And if you read in verse 15, God said, what I have cleansed, you must not call unclean. The Lord was showing Peter that before Peter was a Jew, Peter was first a Christian. Now, culture is a beautiful thing, right? We all have different cultures. You have a different culture than I do, right? And it's a beautiful thing. But our culture should never be before Jesus Christ. Before I'm an American, I'm a Christian. Before you're Burmese, you're a Christian. And yet I feel like many times we want to put our culture above our faith and Jesus now has taken backseat to the way we live. And here's why this is dangerous. Because many times we'll separate sin, right? And we'll justify it according to culture and we'll separate it from a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the Lord was showing Peter that even though his culture was to be respected, even though his culture was a beautiful thing, the Lord has to be first. And if we're to serve God, we need to do things that may even seem uncomfortable for us or things that even go against our culture. I'll give you an example. I went to Africa, and in Africa, you know, everything's dirty. And this is not me just being, you know, this is not a stereotype. It's true. Most all the sicknesses come from Africa. <laughs> There's a reason for that, right? Now, when I was there, my hands were filthy, right? And I was shaking people's hands. I was catching lizards with the kids. My hands were absolutely filthy. And in my culture, if you're going to eat dinner, you're going to wash your hands, wash your face. You're going to get cleaned up, right? You're not just going to sit down and eat when you're filthy. In their culture, they said, sit down. You're not allowed to wash your hands, and you need to eat with your hands. And I thought, oh, I'm going to get sick. Great. So I sit down. They bring this food out. I'm waiting for a fork or a spoon, and they say, no, you got to use your hand. I was like, ah. And then, of course, the food that they serve me is messy. I don't even know what it is that I'm eating. And when I finish eating, right, I man up, I do it. I eat with my hand. It's all, it's all over my hand. I'm like, can I wash my hands now? They said, no. You need to lick it. You need to lick your fingers clean. I said, no. No, please. Right? And they said, no, you have to. It's that what we do here. We lick it clean. So I had to lick it clean. I'll tell you what. It was uncomfortable for me. Okay, it really was. I, I'm getting skeeved out thinking about it now. And when I think about what the food was that I ate, the people that I touched before, I just don't want to think about it. But here's the point. 
Right? God was calling me to do something that went against my culture. It went against what I was comfortable with. And this is what He was doing with Peter. Let's see how Peter responds. Let's look at verses 17 through 18. It says, Now while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. Now, Peter was confused with this vision, as I'm sure you would be. Right? I know if I had this vision of a net coming down with animals in it and a voice said, kill it and eat it, I would think I just had a normal dream. Right? A strange, normal dream. <laughs> I wouldn't think it was a vision given to me by God. So Peter was wondering about this. Right? And as he was thinking about this, these men that Cornelius sent arrived at this home. Now, I want you to think about again the historical context in this. The men that Cornelius sent were Servants to Romans, right? They were servants to a Roman centurion, and he even sent one of his leading soldiers to this home. Now again, most Jews would hate these people. As a matter of fact, the Samaritans were people who were half Jew and half Gentile, and they were hated so much by the Jews because they were half Jewish. And Romans, they hated the Romans. As a matter of fact, Jesus lost many of his followers because a lot of the people wanted Jesus to save them from the Romans. And when they found out that Jesus was about to save them from their sin and not the Romans, they didn't want to follow him anymore. So most Jews hated the Romans. So think about this. You're Peter, a devout Jew, right? And these men who are servants to a Roman centurion, a Roman officer, arrives at this home. And they're, they're asking about you. How would you respond? Well, verse 19. Let's see what it says. Verses 19 and 20. It says, While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. So Peter's still thinking about this vision, right? He's still thinking about what he had just saw. Reptiles and all these unclean animals that God told him to eat. He's probably creeped out, a little confused, didn't know what was going on. Right? And as he's doing this, the Holy Spirit spoke to him, telling him to go down with the men who were calling for him. And I want you to notice what the Holy Spirit told Peter in verse 20. It says, go with them, watch this, doubting nothing. Doubting nothing. This is what true faith is. Again, true faith is when you take God at His Word and you trust Him. Even when it seems difficult, even when it seems stressful, even when it seems dangerous, even when it seems countercultural or uncomfortable. In order to do what God is calling us to do, we need to be, trust Him. Right? We need to trust Him. It's very easy to trust God when things are good, when things are going well. When life is going our way, it's easy to trust God. But when things get difficult, and when storms arise in your life, and make no mistake, you're going to encounter storms. We're all in one right now. right? But we all have personal storms that we go through in life. Are you trusting God in them? Are you trusting the Lord in these difficult times? Are you trusting that God is working, that God is able to do amazing things in the midst of your sufferings? Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. It's one of my favorite verses. I'm sure all of you know it. It says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. To trust the Lord means that we understand He is sovereign, He is in control, and that He is Lord no matter what. And we also trust that whatever it is God calls us to do, He'll give us the strength to do it. Even if it means loving these people who do hateful things to us, God will give us the strength to do it, but we need to come to Him. We need to ask Him. We need to put our trust in Him. 
What about right now with everything going on in this country? Are you trusting the Lord in this? Again, I shared earlier, it's difficult to trust in the Lord in these times, right? It's difficult to trust God when things, there's so much suffering, there's so much hate going on. But God is working in this. God is moving in the midst of everything going on, and we need to trust Him and obey Him and not doubting anything, just like the Holy Spirit told the Peter in verse 20. I know what's going on right now in this country, but what about you personally? What are you going through personally? We all go through different struggles. And many times we come to church, right? And we put our church face on, right? We dress up and we're, oh. we all smile. My oh, God loves you. And then you go home, but you're broken because you're going through things, right? And you hide it and you're going through these struggles in your personal life. Are you trusting God in these? Are you taking these struggles to God in prayer? Maybe it's a sin you struggle with. Are you trusting that God will give you the strength to overcome this sin? Because He will. We need to trust the Lord and not doubt. Again, trusting God is not seeking for signs and wonders. Trusting God means we take Him at His word. We trust Him. We trust God for who He is and we trust His word. Let's look at verses 21-22. through 22. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius a centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from, from you. Now, when Peter went down, he asked the men what they were looking for, and they told him, we're looking for, for you, right? And they said, we're, we're coming for a Roman centurion, Cornelius, right? Now, I find this fascinating because, again, most people would hate these men. And as soon as they heard that a centurion wants you to come to his house, I'm sure if you were in Peter's position, you'd be really nervous about that. What about other Jews? Will they see me going into this Roman's house? Right? Listen, the Jewish people were zealous. They were zealous, right? And I'm sure if a lot of the Jewish people saw Peter going into the home of a centurion, they'd want to stone him. Right? They'd want to kill him. And they'd want to kill the Romans, right? So I find this fascinating. Many people would want to ridicule Peter and mock him or even kill him because they thought he was being unpatriotic. Now, what did Peter do? I want you to look at this in verse 23 because I find this I find this a great verse. Then he invited them in and lodged them. On the next day, Peter went away with them and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. Peter didn't turn these men away, right? When they said we're looking for Peter, Peter could have been like, I'm not, I don't know who he is. I never heard him. I don't know who that is. Sorry, wrong home. You're in the wrong home, sorry. That's not what he did though. He's like, yes, here I am. Again, I just want you to visualize for a minute. Picture yourself to be Peter, okay? And these men come over and they say, hey, we want you to come over to a leading officer in the military's home. How would you respond to that? Would you be like, mm-mm, not me? Would you be like, ah, I'm scared. I don't want people to, I don't, I don't want my fellow countrymen to think wrong of me, right? Peter, he invited him into his home. He fed him, let him sleep there. He showed the love of Jesus to them. Why? Because Peter understood now, right? This vision that God gave him was to show him that he needs to have a heart for all people. And again, serving Jesus goes before his culture. It goes before everything else in his life. He needs to be faithful and obedient to what God is calling him to do. No matter how scary or how hard doing God's will may seem, we need to trust God in it. And make no mistake, you will be mocked and ridiculed for walking in God's will. You will. That's a comment. Why? Because the devil doesn't want you to do it. And the devil will do anything he can to keep you from walking in God's will. I get it a lot. I still get it. Well, why aren't you in college? Well, God didn't call me to go. 
But you should. You should leave. Go back. Well, God's calling me to stay here. Right? We've gotten it a lot from many people back home. Well, you just leave the country. Why would you stay there? It's dangerous. This is where God has called us. And people would say, oh, you're, you're dumb, or you're wasting your life, or you're throwing your life away, right? Because we're going to experience this ridicule and this mockery because the devil does not want us to walk in God's calling. But are we trusting God in it? Are we taking him at his word and doing what the Spirit told Peter back in verse 20 to go and doubt nothing? Verse 23, it tells us the next day Peter left with the men and went to Cornelius' home. Peter obeyed. He was faithful. So you might be wondering, what happens next with Peter and Cornelius? Well, you're going to have to wait till next week to find out. Because we're going to stop at verse 23 today. But let me conclude with this. We looked at two examples, two men today. The first one was Cornelius, a Roman soldier, a Roman officer, who was commanded by God to do something that seemed probably strange to him, to invite a stranger into his home with his family and to, to, to dine this man, right? And how did Cornelius respond? He was faithful and he was obedient. He didn't know what he was doing, but he was just being obedient to what God called him to do. Then we get to Peter. Peter was told to do something by God that was countercultural for him. Something that would probably get a lot of ridicule, a lot of mockery. He was told to do something that seemed unpatriotic for the Jewish people. And how did Peter respond? Well, initially he said, you know, in his vision, he's like, mm -hmm. but we see that Peter was faithful. He was obedient to what God was calling him to do. So let me ask you this. What is it in your life right now that God is calling you to do? What ways is God calling you to serve in this community and in this city to bring Him glory? Who is it God is calling you to minister to? Maybe it's an unsaved family member or a friend. And you think, well, I don't want to burn that relationship. Here's my thought on this. If you know Jesus and they don't and you don't share Jesus, you don't care about that relationship. Because if you did, you'd look at the fact that if they don't know Jesus, they're going to spend an eternity in hell. That's the reality. The heart of God desires all to be saved. This is what he was showing Peter. God even desires the Roman soldiers to be saved. God desires your enemies to be saved. He desires your lost family members and your lost friends to be saved. And you know what? God wants to use you. He's given you an invitation to be used by Him to share the Gospel. Just like He gave this amazing opportunity to Peter. So what is it and how will you respond? Maybe it's uncomfortable or scary for you. Maybe it makes you nervous. Maybe you're scared what people will think. But I promise you this, God will give you the strength and the faith to walk in His calling if you just put your trust in Him. So please pray with me. I just pray that, you know, I was convicted as I read these verses. Right? How important it is to pray. I was convicted of how important it is to just trust God and take Him at His word. To not doubt, to not question, but to trust that God is in control and that what God is calling me to do is His will and His will and His ways are perfect. Even if we don't understand it, so I pray that we would be obedient to whatever it is God is calling us to do. Please pray with me, and then we'll continue to worship. Father God, I thank You so much, Lord, for this afternoon and for this opportunity that You have given us. Lord, to read and study Your Word. Just thank You so much, Father, for the privilege that we have to read Your Word. Your Word is alive. It is powerful. And it is how You speak to each one of us. And I pray, Lord, that our time in Your Word and our time with You would go so much beyond Sunday, Lord. It'd be each and every day of our lives. We would take time aside to spend with Your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I just pray for this church. Lord, I pray for Your protection over everyone here. You'd watch over them, God. Keep them healthy and safe. And I pray, Lord, You continue to bless our time as we worship You. In Jesus' name, Amen.